0: Well, hopefully you noticed when you came in this morning that we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. It's a good reminder, I think, visually when I come in and I see uh, that we have the wine and the bread in the front, that means we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. It tells me a couple of things. As a Christian, it tells me that it is about Christ and not about us. We're to do this in remembrance of Him and His finished work on our behalf. Uh, It also tells me that as a Christian, I'm supposed to be uh, living in a way that honors the Lord in light of 1 Corinthians 11, and so I want to make sure that, by God's grace, I'm doing that, and we're to take this seriously, uh, this business of living the Christian life. And so we'll do this at the end of the service, but i like to maybe just remind you now that um, there's a visual reminder every time we have the Lord's Supper when you walk in, and that's how I think, and if it helps you to think the right way, um, I'm sharing I' going to begin by a quote, with a quotation, uh, and then I'm going to ask you uh, where it comes from. I imagine some of you will have it, some of you won't have it. And you'll all think it's interesting. "Us hate beauty. Us love ugliness is big crime to make anything perfect. Us, I'll I'll, I'll quote it again, Us hate beauty. Us love ugliness. Is big crime to make anything perfect. That's a code to live by. That's a certain people's life code. That's what they're all about. It is their theme. It is their raison d'etre, if you will. And what planet has that code? The planet Bizarro World has that code. On Bizarro World, that is what they seek to do. That is their aim. That's what they seek to do. If you don't know Bizarro World, you probably know Superman. And Superman's arch nemesis is Bizarro. They're all about doing everything in a way that is weirdly inverted. If Superman, let's say, is about the truth, then they're about lies. If Superman's about honor and integrity, then they're about dishonor and lack of integrity. Everything is, we might say, perverted. It's not the first sermon where I've quoted something from Bizarro World. But we use that title in our culture, even if we don't know much about comics. In my life in the last couple of weeks, maybe month, living as a Christian, watching Christian media has made me feel like I'm living in spiritual, bizarro world. Dogs are living with cats, cats are living with dogs, it's total chaos. It's so weird, it's so bizarre. Maybe you haven't been watching Christian media, God bless you. Keep reading your Bible. It's just... I have to say it again, it's, it's bizarre. Not, not, just, just recently, I'm pretty sure that the Pope, the Roman Catholic Pope told someone whose loved one died, who was an atheist, that they're in heaven now. And assured them that their atheist loved one is in heaven. That's a bizarro world. That's a bizarro world because the Pope can't say that. He can't say that because the Council of Trent says he can't say that. Because you can't assure anyone of their salvation unless somehow it's a supernatural kind of thing and certainly not atheists. This is in the... I'm going to stop there. It's bizarre. I'm like, what? In other news... In other news, we as Christians were told just recently that unless we celebrate the fact that someone is a Christian, in fact, maybe one of the greatest Christians who's ever lived, unless we celebrate that, then we're somehow sub-Christian, And we're talking about someone who denied that Jesus was raised from the dead. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. I'm somehow, maybe not a Christian, certainly a terrible Christian, if I don't celebrate the Christianity of someone who denies the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It's a bizarre world. And there are other examples I have another example. I'm going to stop now. It is bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. So it's like I'm like what? What? I want to say this is this has never happened before. What in the world is happening? And then I know enough about history as a hobby. I'm not a historian, but to know that this is actually not something new. This happened in the century before us. This kind of stuff. It happened in the century before that and the century before that. And it's been happening ever since there's been Christianity. There have been people who take what Christianity says at face value, like Jesus was raised from the dead and that's not non-negotiable. And they negotiate it. So before there was ever such a thing as Bizarro World and Superman, this was a thing. There was bizarre things happening. It's not anything new. And that's one reason why I like the clarity of the book we're studying together because it helps us sort out bizarre things. And that's the book of 1st John. It's a little book at the end of the Bible and it's super helpful Because even back when John the Apostle was writing, the church first starts, you've got the realities about Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, and you believe in him for eternal life, and Jesus is fully God and fully man. We don't know exactly how that works. And we know all these things about Jesus because of eyewitness testimony. The apostles were there, all kinds of people saw him raised from the dead. He taught, he taught with clarity. Even though we had all of that, there were people who named the name of Jesus who said, we don't think so. Oh, and not only that, they preyed upon people like you and me, and through intimidation, through whatever it is, tried to get them to believe something different. And if they didn't believe something different, then somehow they were bad. Or somehow they didn't have the special, super-duper secrets kind of thing. The Bible calls them in 1 John, antichrists. Instead of Christ, because we have the Christ who was raised from the dead, and then we have those who say he's not. We have the Christ who is fully human, and we have those who say he's not. We have the Christ whose death was an atoning death, and we have those who say he's not. They're anti-Christ. And John says there are many of them. Okay, And what that does to people like you and me is it robs us of assurance. It does anything but create stability, Spiritually. And we start wondering and we start questioning. We start doubting. And First John comes to us, according to chapter 5, to give us assurance. Okay? Even though bizarro world promoters, people from that planet are saying this, this is who the true Jesus is, where there's stability and confidence and assurance. And it's super basic. Let me just show you an example. A good example would be in verse 12, we're going to look at this verse, but I'm going to jump ahead. Oh, we're not quite to it yet. We're going to look at multiple verses. But if we just jump ahead to verse 12 of chapter 5, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I like that. Pretty straightforward, pretty clear. Now there's a lot going on there. He's, there's a context and what do you mean by the son and what do you mean by life? It's eternal life. But, but it's really quite helpful. I mean, there you have it. I mean, I realize it, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I, I, I think I might be compelled to think we might need another Sesame Street moment. A number of weeks ago we talked about Sesame Street. This is like a Sesame Street moment, right? If you have the sun, you have life. If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. That's the kind of stuff I learned at Sesame Street, right? One of these things is not like the other. Right? There was that one, they they would do it all the time. You know, they would have have the, 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 the four squares and there would be three tools, three different tools. And there, three of these things... How does it go? I wrote it down. Three of these things belong together. And then there would be like a shoe. One of these things just doesn't belong, right? Now it's time, what? To play our game. It's time to play our game. <laughs> it's a Sesame Street Church. One of these things just doesn't belong, right? If you have the sun, you have life. Sesame Street moment. This is ABCs is what I'm getting at. If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. It's super clear, super straightforward. I'm not using that as a way to be speaking in a demeaning way to anyone in this room. I'm speaking that way to encourage you. Christianity has some complex parts. Peter says some things Paul says are hard to understand. But by and large, it's super simple. It's super basic. If you believe the truth about Jesus, you have eternal life. And if you don't believe the truth about Jesus, sorry, this might be a trigger moment for some of you, you don't have life. It's really and if you lose sight of that, you're you're not only going to be confused yourself, you're going to be confusing and have anything but spiritual stability in your life that gives you, chapter 5, assurance. Sesame Street did a good job of teaching contrasts, teaching objective. Pretty good. Pretty helpful. I'll stop singing, I promise. Here's what we're going to do this morning. No more Sesame Street, no more... Well, I might talk a little bit more about Bizarro World. But chapter 5, verses 6 to 12. We're working our way through this book. Chapter 5, verses 6 to 12. And I'll follow an outline that has five aspects, five features of the testimony regarding Jesus. Jesus. Five aspects, five features of the testimony regarding Jesus that are meant to encourage you if you're a Christian. To encourage you to stay the course. To encourage you to keep believing in the Jesus of history. That encourage you to keep on believing in the Jesus we've learned about. To not have to go over here and be intimidated and listen to somebody else because they've got a new take on things. Or go over here or go over there. These are aspects of the testimony regarding Jesus that encourage you to stay and have stability. Remember in First John chapter 2, there were those who were part of the group believing in Jesus and they went out. And John says, and they were never of us. Don't be like them. And now that they're out there telling you other things, don't listen to them. They're antichrists. So five features, five aspects. Number one, the testimony is historic. The testimony is historic. We see this in verse 6. This is He. He's talking about Jesus. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. I'm using the word testimony, by the way, because he's going to use that as a repeating theme. There are all these different testimonies. And he's giving a testimony, an apostolic testimony regarding Jesus. And who is Jesus? He's the historic Jesus. You should believe in the one who's the historic Jesus, not the phantom Jesus, not the Jesus of imagination, not the Jesus of fancifulism, not the Jesus of someone else's bizarro world. This is he, the one we've been talking about, who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And there are all different views about this. What's the water? What's the blood? Uh, Everything from amniotic fluid um, to the water and the blood that came out of Jesus' side. Uh, I'm not looking to create a church split. So if you have a favorite Bible teacher who has a favorite take on it, awesome. I think, again, I wouldn't want to create a war over it. I think, and lots of commentators think, that what he's getting at by water and blood, and by the way, you can understand the passage even if you can't understand that. It's straightforward enough. Original audience would have known, or he would have explained it. They all knew. We don't know exactly. Water and blood, I think what he's getting at is from beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry to the end of his earthly ministry. The Jesus we're talking about when we're encouraging you to believe in Him is the historic Jesus. Not the secret Jesus, not the Jesus of the false teachers, not the the phantom Jesus, not the made-up Jesus, not the new and improved Jesus, but the historic Jesus. And there was a testimony, there was the water testimony, at the beginning of His ministry He was baptized... And it was a public launching of his ministry. And it was affirmed, we're going to see, by the Spirit. And it was affirmed supernaturally by the voice of God from heaven, beginning. But it's not only the beginning, because a lot of people have beginnings. All along the trajectory, the life, everything that he did, the miracles, the teachings. It was all aiming toward the blood where he would die a sinner's death. And we learned... His death would be an atoning death. It's all consistent. The historic life, ministry, work of Jesus. Chapter 2 talked about Jesus the righteous. And then His blood is an atoning sacrifice for us. I think that's what He's getting at. We're talking about the historic Jesus. When you're believing in Jesus, and you're tempted to listen to Bizarro Mundo over here, Remember, the Jesus we're talking about is the historic Jesus that we saw. Chapter 1, we touched, we heard from beginning to end, and it was a consistent message from him. Book ends. He spoke with clarity. He did the miraculous. He fulfilled all righteousness. It's that Jesus we're talking about. I think that's what he's getting at, just like in chapter 1 of John. Let's let's not leave that alone, but let's move to number two. We're going to add to it. The the second aspect of this testimony about Jesus that that compels us to keep on believing. Number two, the testimony is supernaturally accompanied, supernaturally complemented, supernaturally attested, if you like that word. So not only did we have this earthly ministry of Jesus that was a public ministry before many, many eyewitnesses ministry, repetition kind of ministry from the beginning to the end, it was supernaturally affirmed, supernaturally attested, supernaturally interpreted. Look there at verse 6 with me if you would. And the Spirit... Ah, supernatural, is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We don't know for sure, but reading between the lines because he's combating false teachers, likely a jab you know, they're talking about truth and we're talking about truth and how do we sort it out? How do we interpret it rightly? Kind of helpful for us because in our day we talk about my truth and your truth and they can contradict each other but it doesn't matter. And he drops the truth gauntlet. The truth. Oh, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Chapter 14, 15, and 16, I think it is. Yep. The Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. So not only do we have Jesus... What we see, his earthly ministry, and many people could see it and give testimony that, yeah, I saw it, I was there, I witnessed it, I saw it happen. We not only that, we have supernatural attestation, big word. Supernatural accompaniment, supernatural affirmation by the Spirit. And you want to talk about truth, Mr. and Mrs. Antichrist? He's the Spirit of Truth supernatural attestation. At his baptism, again, I already alluded to it, I couldn't help myself. Supernatural, undeniable, in real time and real space, you have the Spirit descending like a dove. You also have the voice of the Father from heaven. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Extraordinary. So you have the historic, but affirmed by the eternal supernatural, and then if we go to the other end of things and we go to the blood end of earthly ministry, we also have supernatural affirmation, whether it is the sky turning black or the the temple, what's it called, the curtain, torn from top to bottom like in multiple gospel accounts. Something radical, extraordinary happens. Not So it's affirmed in that sense, supernaturally. Not only that, the spirit raises him from the dead. Talk about extraordinary, Romans chapter 8. It's the spirit that raises him from the dead after he's done all of those things. This is exciting. It's exciting because it's true, but it's also exciting because this is meant to encourage you and me. to keep on believing in the historic Jesus and not the Antichrist Jesus. The Jesus that might maybe fit a little bit better um, with what our culture wants to accept right now. Well, I, I like to be accepted. But the eternal life is found in the one who is the historic Jesus How do we know? Well, there's all kinds of human testimony. He's not going to deny that. But not only is there all kinds of human testimony, there's supernatural testimony. So why in the world would I want to go out from you? Wouldn't even make sense. Wouldn't make sense at all. And, And I realize we might be thinking right now, okay, this is super simple. I know, Sesame Street. But you just watch what's about to happen. What is happening in Christianity, in evangelical Christianity, in so-called gospel-centered Christianity. You just watch. As the pressure comes, you're about ready to watch people go out from you and it's going to be unnerving and it is unnerving and it's unsettling and it, it, by the way it is happening and I would guess it's going to keep happening I'm not as people like to say I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet but I do work for a nonprofit organization you just watch and and I would be lying to you if I told you I was not troubled by it I'm troubled by it. You're going to have opportunity to be troubled by it. Again, don't want to go too far out on a limb, but you'll probably see people you know and you love and you respect and you buy their books and they are going to say things that you can't believe they ever said. So you'll have an opportunity. You'll have an opportunity to keep believing the historic truth about Jesus that was supernaturally affirmed and attested. And John is saying, it's where you want to be. It's where you want to be. How about verse 7? For there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. I like that. John, John is playing a big card here because he's been claiming apostolic authority. To able, able to understand beginning of Jesus' ministry, throughout his ministry, end of ministry, to understand it comprehensible in a way that he could articulate it and explain it and write a gospel account. And he's saying, oh, you claim to have the spirit that deviates from that. I don't think so. The Spirit actually agrees with what we've been saying. How about verse 9? If we receive the testimony of men, good idea? It's a good idea. We do it all the time. It's a good idea to receive the testimony of Men, the testimony of God is greater for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. (laughs) He's not denying the historic human testimony. In fact, it's really important. I stress it all the time. But what complements that and the reason we can actually have confidence that it's true is the supernatural testimony that attests. Vivid, verifiable, affirmed, explained. Okay, maybe just a little little timeout, a little pause here. We'll move on to number three. Even some of the things I've been saying this morning are like over the top. Like radical. If you're not used to reading the Bible. If you're not used to this, what Jude calls once and for all delivered to the saints' faith. It's like, what in the world? I'm still going to do it because I'm a Bible teacher and this is Omaha Bible Church. <laughs> and lots of you are used to it. Maybe you're not used to it. But I, I, I'm pretty confident that you have people that you know and love and care for. It's like going from zero to 60. It's Let's put it this way. It's culture shock. Extreme. And I would want to, I would want to encourage you to love your neighbor and be a good missionary and you, you can speak in terms that they can understand. You don't dilute or water down but you, you want to be able to communicate this. And the gospel will continue to do its work. But it's maybe more challenging than it used to be to communicate basic Christian truths because people don't know basic Christian categories. And so it's challenging but it's For such a time as this, this is when God has us living. Doesn't mean it's not exciting. But even my reading, verse 12, to begin with, you know, I made a tongue-in-cheek, perhaps too snide of a remark about being triggered. Yeah. How dare you say that? How could you possibly say that? Just get ready. Oh, and by the way, maybe we should also remember that when Christianity was birthed, multi, polytheism was raging. Postmodernism didn't start in France a little while ago. Evangelism was hard. And they might not have had the sophisticated language we use as far as what we label it, It happened then. Look at Paul in Athens in Acts chapter 17. He explains the gospel in a way they could understand and they rejected some of them and some of them believed. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to number three. The aspect of the testimony regarding Jesus, a third one that compels us to stay and keep believing in the historic Jesus. Number three, the testimony is personal. It is personal for us. It's to be embraced personally. We'll do this one quickly. How about verse 10? Whoever believes, whoever believes, whoever trusts in, depends upon, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. So this is for you. And when you believe in Him, it's for you. When you believe the testimony of others, the Holy Spirit, other human beings, this is something that becomes uh, an internal thing. This becomes a personalized kind of thing. This isn't just out there. This affects you. It's relational. And I would suggest maybe another way to better understand this, not only... Do we have the testimony in in ourselves? Because we could say, well, that's right. My spirit, like Paul says, um, testifies with the Holy Spirit. There's this internal, uh, yes, that's right. But maybe in our greater context, remember in chapter 5, verse 1, he talked about the regenerative work of the Spirit in you that leads to believing. I would like to read it in that context. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of, oh, regeneration, born again, born a second time, is born of God. So here I've got this testimony of the Spirit in me who's birthed me so that I might believe these things. That's that's crazy. I don't mean like bizarro crazy. I mean like crazy in a good way crazy, and I don't have categories for that. I was, we talked about last week, I was spiritually dead. God made me alive together with Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, and I believe in Jesus. This, this, this testimony is, is, is even one that affects me internally, because the Spirit has made me alive. I know this to be true, not because of something I've done, but because of something that God did in me and to me and for me. Why do I want to go somewhere else where they don't say that? Why do I want to go out from you? I mean, that might, chapter 5, verse 1 might make me uncomfortable, but I still want it. Ain't nobody else got that going on. <laughs> Dead in sins and God makes you alive? Again, that makes us uncomfortable but I don't want to get rid of it. No other religion on planet Earth looks like this. It's exciting. It's not manageable, but it's exciting. And I don't want to leave. Let's go to number four. Uh, Four and five now. So, the fourth aspect of the testimony regarding Jesus that compels us to stay. Number four, the testimony is moral. Moral. It is moral. How about verse 10 where it goes on to say, whoever does not believe God has made him, God, a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Hmm. I mean, if John the Apostle is not an apostle, if he's a faker there's going to be a special place in hell for him. I'm saying that because what he's saying is 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 strong. If he's not telling the truth, it's so arrogant. If he's not really an apostle of Jesus, I think he is, and Jesus affirmed him as such, and everything points toward that. I'm just making the point. He's saying something outlandish, radical. He's claiming to know what God thinks. He's claiming to know what Jesus did and be able to rightly interpret it. And te- this is amazing. So, and then he says, he says, if you don't believe God regarding what he said regarding his son, in our context that you believe in Jesus for eternal life, if you don't believe that, you have stood on your soapbox and said, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, sovereign over all, is a liar. wow that doesn't really go over very well at dinner parties with sophisticated people are you, are you, are you calling me a liar? You're right? well I think maybe you're economical with the truth John just takes the gloves off like he's an apostle or something God spoke from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Here's the command. Listen to him. Then what does he say? He says, believe in me for eternal life. Believe in me for eternal life. Believe in me for eternal life. Before Abraham was, I am. Believe in me for eternal life. If you don't believe in me for eternal life, you will die in your sins. And on and on it goes. And John is being very consistent here. And he's looking at the data, saying, if you don't believe in Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away sin, and you say, no, I don't believe in Him, you're saying God is unethical. You're saying God is not only stupid, He's bad. It's, just, it's, it's wild. Wild, 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 wild. But see, this is what causes me to go back and, and when I'm hearing these things said in the name of Christ and reading these things said in the name of Christ, I go, what in the world? That you don't have to believe in Jesus for eternal life? Huh. And that's okay. What? And And... The greatest Christians who have ever lived don't believe in the resurrection? Come 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 again? What in the world is going on? John is giving us clarity. If you, if, you, if you say things like that, you're just saying God is a liar. And you know, back to you know just common sense, it's probably not a good idea to call God a liar. Just saying. Again, Mark Twain moment, the the unclear stuff in the Bible I don't have a problem with. It's the stuff in the Bible that's clear that I have a problem with. There's a lot of clarity. There's enough clarity to keep me, even if people say I'm an idiot... Even if people say I'm mean, even peop- even if people say I'm ang- have anger issues, I don't know. Even if people say I'm narrow-minded, even people, if they say I'm bigoted, I, I you, you just add, no matter what they say, I have to stay because there's so much clarity. I, got, I, I I'm just, I got to stay. I'm, I can't be a go out from us. The evidence is too compelling. The testimony is too strong. Let's go to number five. A fifth aspect of the testimony regarding Jesus that, that, that compels me to stay. Number five, the testimony brings... How do I want to say this? The testimony brings stark clarity regarding eternal life. I'm going to stay because the testimony regarding Jesus brings stark clarity regarding eternal life. Something I've already alluded to and we've already read the verses, so let's read them finally again, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. That God gave us eternal life. In contrast with, we read the Bible in context, chapter 4, in contrast with punishment. He's given us eternal life. Not only lasting forever, but even the quality of life that is good and right. Uh, gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Right? He gives eternal life. How does He give us the eternal life? He gives us the eternal life in His Son. United to His Son. This is why we talk about, you, when you believe in Jesus, you trust in Jesus, you receive Christ and all of His benefits. United with Him. This is eternal life. He gave us eternal life. This is life in His Son. Twelve, whoever has the Son, and in our context it's by faith, has life. In our context it's eternal life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Context, it's eternal life. It's one of those aha moments. Believe in Jesus, eternal life. Don't believe in Jesus. No eternal life. Why in the world am I going to dabble and try to say, you know, but, you know. Us hate beauty. Us love ugliness. It's big crime to make anything perfect. It's bizarro. It's bizarro. doesn't mean I don't want to help people who who have subscribed to the code. I do. I do. But I don't want to subscribe to the code. Because I'm leaving the source of eternal life. My encouragement to you is to stay theologically speaking you 're not crazy you're not the crazy one in first John in the first century they were trying to the false teachers were trying to convince in the name of Christ that those who were holding to the Historic Christian faith were crazy. And to paraphrase, John is saying, you're not crazy. You're a Christian. Based upon all of these testimonies, Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his apostles who were with him, who saw, who heard, who experienced, who were commissioned. Not only that, even as Jesus said, they would be led into all the truth by the Holy Spirit who would be given to them. And so we're grateful for that and we're grateful that we are here not trying to be creative and not trying to make things up and not trying to accommodate. We're here to to stay and to be resting in Christ and not only resting in Christ but promoting the truth about Christ. May we be able to enjoy that which is stable and that which is foundational and that which is solid. Lord, help us to not be like those who were spoken of in Ephesians, tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Help us to not be those people. Help us to also be people who can help others enjoy what it is is to be stable in Christ, to have Christ as a sure and steady refuge of salvation and confidence. Help us to not be arrogant, but actually to be humbly submitting to the one who conquered death, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As we eat this morning and as we drink this morning, remind us that we're submitting to Christ. Christ. That He said to do this in remembrance of Him. He is the one who is the righteous, the perfect fulfiller of all obligations. That He is the one who is the propitiatory sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice, so that our sins could be removed, so that they could be removed from us, as the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west. That our sins, though they be like scarlet, could then be taken away and we could be white as snow before you. May this be a time when we are grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be a time that we are even motivated to want to proclaim His greatness. Sustain us. Keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.